This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where, right now, you're going to find 20% off Oregon Pinot Noirs, which is fantastic. And also, you know, it's football season. It's baseball playoff season. Fall beer brats are fantastic. So, you know, Zupan's has an incredible selection of brats and sausages, some of them flavored with your favorite craft beers, but also you can pair them with your favorite beers as well. So from Freem and Occidental and also Seattle Cider, you can pair them with ciders. Check it all out at Zupans now and also check out Zupans.com to uh, see all the fun pairings they're talking about. Yeah, also on sale now through October 24th, you can save money on Double R Ranch Short Ribs. I'm looking at this gorgeous picture on the website, Chris, and it just makes me hungry hungry for fall food it's just this delicious looking short rib in some mashed potatoes and man that looks good Uh, you can also go to the website for great recipes always great recipes and uh, as a matter of fact in this episode kathy talks about how recipes work and how to look out for them especially when it comes to uh baking recipes. So uh, you want to listen to that, but also private dining in Cellar Z. It's holiday time is coming up and make sure to reserve your day or evening in Cellar D. They're in Portland and Lake Oswego. They are the hidden gems of places where you can do intimate private dining events. Very much so. Three locations to serve you, McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Oswego. And information always found where? Zupan's Dot com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast, right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm co-host, Court Johnson. Court, thank you for uh, taking care of business while I was away. You know, a month is a long time. Yeah, you were. It was, was it a full month or close to, right? Just close to, a couple of days short. And it's kind of what I do when I go on my trips because I always, we have a little research to do for future trips. And then I have, as long as I'm in Europe, I like to spend a little time over there and explore either new places or places I love. So, yeah, it's uh, smart. I mean, if you're going to spend 10 to 12, if not more hours traveling somewhere, uh, you don't want to go be going back and forth, plus the cost associated with that. Well, you know, the hops around Europe are under $100 sure. on a plane flight or trains. I really loved the trains. So I took this trip. I took a train, believe it or not, from Naples to Sicily. They put the train on a ferry. Oh, wow. So I was able to go across the water on a train. Well, you, they get you off the, you get off the train and go on the ferry, but then you get back on the train, same train. Wait, so the train actually goes on the ferry as opposed to just having a train. No, the train train doesn't meet the ferry. The train rolls on the ferry on there's tracks on the ferry. Yeah. It's not a big train. I think it was like four cars. Wow. And then they roll you off in in Sicily and you go right down to Catania. Never got off the train. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I like train rides way better than airlines. Oh, yeah. You know, than than airports. Yeah. So I'd rather spend seven hours on a train than three or four hours 
you know, going through airports and security and all that shit. So, I, I wish there was a bit more train culture here in the United States. Now, I know back east, it's more prevalent than it is here right. in the Western. We're just more spread out. So it's it's easier said than done. But yeah, no, my, the time I've spent in Europe, that was my favorite things. I mean, you you know, you learn how to read the train board and know where you need to go. This is before smartphones when I was there. Oh, and it's all, even the even the subway systems there are easy to do with yeah. smartphones. Yeah, well, know, now, just, now with a smartphone, you can do anything. Right, it's easy. And then, but, and uh, we took a little ride to Brussels, which I love from Paris, and then Brussels to Amsterdam, 180 miles an hour on that, on that train. So that's kind of cool you get there pretty quickly and yep. you know that was all all well and good but i i went a lot of places i went to milan and uh then from there to sardinia to scope out the trip we're doing next year to sardinia which is going to be awesome and we are now taking reservations we've got f- uh, four people and we just started that uh for sardinia which is just the island is beautiful it didn't have the white lotus like Sicily did. We were in Sicily, but it's not as crowded. It's it's uh, a little charming, and it's it wasn't some place that was on that was on my bucket list, but it would be now. And Austri, who guides us all throughout Italy, had been telling me for a long time. Uh, I and others would really love Sardinia, and I did. So there was a lot to like about it, and we're we're going to make this the most relaxing Portland food adventures trip that I think we've ever had. Whereas we're going to stay in two different spots for four days, and one of them is a resort with free days. So um, it's going to be pretty nice. Nice. So uh, I will be promoting that. So I was happy about that, and then jumped over to Naples. I had some incredible pizza. I met a guy who was my. Uh, OWAP, O-W-A-P, and I went once and then went back and then went back and the calzones were like nothing I've ever had. So um, so that was fun. And then we did our Sicily trip with all our folks to Catania, Termina, Ortizia, Ragusa. That was great. And then I hopped over to Paris, met uh, Renee, and we went to... Stayed a few days there, and then we went to Brussels and the Netherlands, where I have friends in Harlem now, and I just love that place. It is just fantastic. It couldn't be any nicer. And this morning, I just read an article in USA Today that the Netherlands is the number one place for retired people in the world. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And the United States comes in at about number 36. Hmm. All right. So, anyway. So... Trips were great. So speaking of trips, we have a couple of spots left to our very popular Basque Country trip with the folks from Urdaneta. We have like two spots left. Um, so anybody who wants to go in April, get on that. That's our fourth one. Everybody loves it. Who's gone? No complaints there. And then we're planning another one to Andalusia with the folks from Urdaneta in the fall to go back to back with our Sardinia trip. So... um so that's what's going on there. And uh, what's going on here, Court? Well, let me think. What's going on here? I experienced my first uh, California earthquake today. However, I was like the only person in the building that didn't feel it. 
So maybe I uh, uh, just... It didn't happen. And if there's no photograph, if there's no Instagram, well, it didn't happen. Again, everybody in the building, except for me, felt it. We all got notifications on our phone. And I was just like, what are you talking about? I didn't feel anything. So maybe I'm just not as sensitive to it as the Californians are. But yeah. Maybe uh, you just have a nervous condition and you're shaking anyway. That could be that. It could be that. So maybe I should go see my doctor. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest that. But. Yeah. But good. So listen, I was happy to get back in front of the mic this morning, and I really enjoyed this interview. It was great. So, and I think anybody who wants to enjoy, uh, it's an, I think we're almost an hour and a half. Uh, even if they're not on the coast, would enjoy Kathy, uh, hi. And she is a pastry chef trained in Chicago and worked also at Baker and Spice. Provador, she worked for our friend Michael um, when they started doing Bowery Bagels pop-ups. And uh, she says she's touched over a million bagels in her lifetime. Uh, interesting to listen to her talk about. She talks a little bit about the bagel unions, too. Mm. So uh, very smart person and articulate and fun to listen to. That's why we didn't stop after the hour. So, And you know what else? I want to read her bio that she sent me because it's well-written, and it's interesting. We usually don't do this. We just kind of bullet point our guests. Right. And uh, But in this case, let me just do this. It's five sentences or five lines long. Kathy High is a former Connecticut Yankee and current pie enthusiast with childhood training in why currents belong in jam and how Mark Twain handled conversation flow at dinner parties. Like most classically trained professional bakers, she cut her teeth in careers as a trainer for Borders Books and Music and multiple positions in museum education. After a stint in Atlanta battling kudzu and the challenges of catering in Georgia, a chance encounter with a Craigslist ad brought her and her partner to the Pacific Northwest, and she explains that. Ten years, one million bagels, multiple tryouts for Team USA for the Coup de Monde, de la Boulangerie, and pandemic later, she and her professional partner, Chef Derek McCarthy, opened Bay City Kitchen in Tillamook Bay. Kathy spends her time making more pastries, lavishing affection on her cats, fostering native plants, and exploring the joys of coast time. When in doubt... She brings the pie. Nice. So I've had the good fortune of eating her food and Derek's food at Bay City Kitchen. And we talk about what brought them out here and how it's been and what's going on. And a fun conversation. We cover a lot. And, uh, you know, when it flows, it flows. And we usually don't go an hour and a half court. So I think people will enjoy it because, um, you know, there was no reason to stop it. So... Kathy High, Bay City Kitchen. That's who we're going to hear right now. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. 
For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. All right, Kathy, I so appreciate it. I'm a little rusty. I don't think I'm rusty. It's like riding a bike. I've been in Europe for a month. I haven't been in front of the mic uh, for a while. I know. Thank you. uh, Thank you to my. Enjoying the pictures. Yes, and thanks to my partner in crime, Court, for picking up the slack while I was away. And uh, I'm I'm betting the podcasts were better with him. But here we are back to. we, we need you, Kathy, to pick up the yes. podcast and keep this thing strong. I am here. I am here Good. for your podcast needs. <laughs> I, I like that. I enjoy you. I enjoyed your uh, the bio you sent me, which normally I don't read those in the intros. I'm, I will have read that by the time people are hearing this. So, <laughs> thank you for that. And uh, thank you for being here, man. And thank you for some great food that I have enjoyed at a new spot and a new opportunity for, new. for dining, if we want to call that, in, <laughs> on the coast here. But so listen, Eating. we'll get, we we'll get eat to here. Right. <laughs> I don't know we'll that we g- dine, but we eat. <laughs> well, it's dining on a, you know, outside on a picnic table. That's, that's the best we can do. It's better than, it's better than lots. So anyway, we'll get to Bay City Kitchen. I want to discuss that, but I really want to uh, talk about your path that led you to Bay City Kitchen. So we can either start at birth or we can start with where you were in Portland and the decision or the process that you went through to decide to move your, not only your business, but your, your livelihood, but your life out to uh, the North Oregon coast. Well, it's, it's funny because uh, when I interviewed at Provador, which is where I met Derek, my business partner out here, um, you know, it was pre-pandemic time. So it was when we could still ask the, where would you like to see yourself in the future? And it didn't involve zombie minks and (laughs) a pandemic and all that stuff. It seemed like a reasonable interview question. And I responded with quasi-legal beach hut. That was my dream. If I could have any sort of food business, quasi-legal beach hut. Wow. Derek was like, what the hell is that? A quasi-legal beach hut? And I'm like, no, you know what I mean when you think about it. It is a place that is open when it's open. It's closed when it's closed. There may or may not be a health department involved and they make whatever they want until they sell out. And that was the dream, you know, it's, it, I mean, I can't think of a old school cook who doesn't have a similar dream, like, okay, I'm going to come in at 
noon today and I feel like making a cheeseburger and I will make five of them and then I'll close shop for the day. And I know some coast places work like that now. So he was like, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. And so, you know, from meeting him, them, we kind of have manifested ourselves into a more legal version of that dream. So that's how I came to be at the coast. But yeah, we can start with birth. It's an interesting history. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. And I know it involves Connecticut. So yeah. um, uh, maybe we Woo-hoo, can. Woohoo! Nutmeggers represent. <laughs> All right, some commonalities there. You know, there are quite a few people in the Portland food scene that I've met that have uh, Connecticut background too. And you, I consider you as part of the Portland slash Oregon food scene. So sure. you're one of those people. Where, so where was your, we don't have to go for actual birth, but what was your <laughs> Connecticut background? Um, grew up, like graduated in Brookfield, uh, went to Yukon, Stayed in Brookfield for um, many years afterwards working at Mark Twain's house and Mm -hmm. uh, for Borders Books and Music, opening bookstores for a long time. And then from there went to Chicago, Um, still with Borders, where I got to have my first proper four-star fine dining experiences and then ended up leaving Borders and working at the Adler Planetarium in the education department there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I used to to always love the Hayden. Oh, Uh, yeah. No, not the Hayden. Is that the Hayden in New York? Yeah, that's the Hayden in New York. okay, the Hayden. Yeah, yeah, I just got confused because they had a really good one in Tucson where I went to school. Nice. And thought for a moment, was that the? No, okay, Hayden. There was a fun rivalry between Adler and the Hayden because it was of the time where Pluto was still considered a planet. Mm -hmm. And uh, Adler, like Pluto had just been named a planet when Adler opened. And so they were firmly in the Pluto is a planet camp, whereas Hayden was in the, well, does it really count? So there was a fun little rivalry there. But it was a great job to prep for working in kitchens because, you know, we blew shit up and we set shit on fire. Um, Mm -hmm. Dipping Cheetos in liquid oxygen and then igniting them, come think of it, is a really good way to say, you know what, maybe I could work in kitchens. But how did that relate to the planetarium? Um, Well, I mean, we wanted to see what would happen and, you know, making new fun exhibits for the kids. We, we made some liquid oxygen and we're like, okay, what is going to happen when we do this? And the answer is a really big fire, a really big fire. Is that regular Cheetos or uh, the, they were the crunchy. Cheetos? Or? They were crunchy. Crunchy, okay. And um, you would think that between the uh, multiple doctorates and higher education degrees in the room, one of us would have thought, mm, maybe putting that into a styrofoam cup is a bad idea, but yeah, none mm. of us did. So then we hid the table with the scorch mark, um, 
to be discovered many years later. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I said, okay, you know, where do I go with this career? And they said, well, it's museum work. So we like seeing higher degrees. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to go back to school for something, I want to do culinary school. And it came down to, do I want to smell like fish or vanilla? <laughs> I want to smell like vanilla. So I think that's good. That's yeah. a way better fragrance. <laughs> so I ended up at the French pastry school in Chicago and then from there went to Atlanta and then from there to here or to Oregon at least. <laughs> Oregon. So what, what was, how did you get to Oregon? What was the driving factor? Oh gosh. You know, catering in Georgia in July is no fun for anybody. Mm-hmm. And Jason, my partner in crime, and I had been saying, you know, maybe West Coast, maybe West Coast. California is expensive. Uh, Seattle wasn't our vibe. And he said, what about Portland? And I'd never been here. I'd never really thought about Portland as a thing that existed. And I went on Craigslist just to see what the market was for jobs. And there was an ad for a Viennoiserie person to do croissants in Danish, which I love. And it was Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 6. And I was like, that can't be real. That can't be real. (laughs) That can't be real. So it was Baker and Spice. Um, And uh, I came out and I interviewed and went and explored the city a little bit. They sent me over to Ken's. I said, where should I go to eat while I'm in town for one day? And they sent me over to Ken's to have pizza. And I was like, oh, I like this town. There's, mm-hmm. there's That's a, a good start. Yeah, right? First meal. And so is Baker and Spice, by the right? way. Right? Oh, my gosh. They're, they, they are fantastic pastries coming out of that kitchen. And You know, uh, let me just pause for a second. I it. took... I was, uh, do you know Kate Hill in Gascony who um, does her kitchen at Command? You probably, you may or may not, but she's run a cooking school and now she's doing a lot of writing. But at any rate, I got to know her a few years ago and she had some friends coming over from France who wanted me to show them around Portland. And, um, you know, that's, I thought that was a, that was a, big responsibility because yeah. people knew food. Well, I told them, <clears throat> I got to take you for croissants, the the um, whole wheat croissants at Baker and Spice, mm-hmm. thinking they never would have had those in France. And and on the way over, he was telling me, really, you don't need to take me for croissants. We you know, know everything. Anyway, long story short, he was blown away. But yeah. I was, you know, the French guy was blown away by those croissants there, and I always have been. I, I was never, I was there when the whole week croissants first became a thing. That was during my time there, and uh, to watch that evolution was just a lot of fun for me, and get to be involved in that process. Well, you know, for me, it's not something I would think. I love the buttery croissants, so mm-hmm. I would not think that if you handed me a whole week Butter. one, I'd say, "Oh, this," you know, <laughs> that's kind of like handing me a vegan. Croissant, a step, a step, step removed from that. But at any rate, they're great, um, and uh, we all love croissants. 
Are you? Do you consider yourself a great croissant maker? Because uh, my do. girlfriend just went to a class in France like a week ago in uh-huh. Paris. Uh-huh. I'm hoping she can pull it off. I, I tell her, don't just. We'll buy good ones here. But, <laughs> um, and then I've been to uh, Loon in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So you must have heard of that. I've correct? heard of that for sure. Okay, good. All right, so. Let's move on with you instead yeah. of my croissant experiences. Oh, so, I can talk croissant all day if you want to. I worked with crazy French people for way too long, you know. The the guy but I you didn't with, have those in Portland. Uh yeah. Yeah, I did. Crazy French people or just crazy people? Just crazy people. Yeah, okay. Well, that I know you have. <laughs> No, the the crazy Frenchman I worked with in Atlanta, he was the kind of person who no music in the kitchen, but would sing to himself all day and have like oh. the cigarette dangling out of his mouth and 11 a.m. Time for pastis, baby. Okay. Okay, Francois. Well, <laughs> the one good thing about having that cigarette in his mouth is he couldn't fucking whistle. Yeah. <laughs> while he worked. For sure. For sure. But he would, I would just be like, dude, cigarette and he'd just be like oh it gives the authentic french flavor baby oh nice (laughs) dude move the cigarette away (laughs) away (laughs) but yeah that's the french thing yeah definitely though i mean this industry we're we're all a little nuts to be here Yeah, I'm not going to dispute that, but anyway, it's it's a good kind of nuts in many cases. Sure. I mean, obsession with craft, yeah, it can be physically and mentally challenging and demanding, and sometimes you have days where you're just like, what am I even doing to myself? But at the end of the day, you know, it's art with a practical purpose, and that is a thing of beauty in this time in this place, you know, Oh, I can create art that actually serves something. In this I, case. And I love the, the way you're doing it. It's, it seems like everything is a, on a whim almost. I'm going to do that. So I, I, I praise you for putting yourself in that position to be able to do that in your life with something oh, yeah. you're passionate about. You gotta, you gotta be willing to go that vulnerability thing. You, you can't just be all up in yourself. You gotta be willing to put yourself out there and be like, yeah, just, okay, we'll give this a shot. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. All right. So you're at Baker and Spice. Yeah. You've already had Ken's Pizza. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of fast forwarding to you getting No, it's hired all good. And working there. And, I, uh, they actually offered me the job. Um, before I got back on the plane, they were like, no, you should come out here. So from the time that I interviewed to moving across country was three weeks. Nice. Yeah. To a, to a place you'd never been. To a place and that I'd was never what been. Year, what year was that? 2000 oh. in the teens? It was, it was when Batman came out. So... <laughs> Well, I mean, for me, that's 1966. <laughs> right? Um, it, it was, I want to say 2009, 2008, 2009, 2010, somewhere in that. Yeah. Okay. That's when Batman came out from the banks. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Um, well, cool. That's a, that's a while. And so yeah. you spent a while there. And- I spent a while with Julie and Matt and the lovely team at Baker and Spice and got to know what a Marionberry is and, and all of the crazy fruits. And I met um, so many great people. Like that was where I got to meet Carolyn Anthony from the much beloved Ayers Creek farm and met so many of my early connections and uh, also what brought me to my next step because I got to meet the folks over at kitchen crew and I had been thinking maybe time to do something else. And that was when Michael said to me, Hey, you ever make a bagel? You're an East coast Michael person. Madigan, man. Yeah. You know, yeah, this is. <laughs> I, I love connecting the dots because we had him on when he started doing mm-hmm. his bagels, and we haven't seen Michael. I haven't seen Michael in a long time, but He's, that's cool. Uh, so you were involved with that when he was starting Bowery Bagels, right or, at the beginning. Pop up the pop up mm-hmm. for Bowery Bagels. Yep, I was. I was there in the pop ups. I was making the bagels and developing the recipes, and you know, started out with a test batch that made a dozen bagels. And by the time I left Bowery, we were doing 4,000 a day. So (laughs) I've made a few bagels. I I like to say I've, I've actually touched over a million bagels in my lifetime. Wow. And then people say, I'm trying to think of how many I've touched and I didn't make them. I just (laughs) ate them. (laughs) <laughs> the answer is more than three. It's always yes, more than three. That is that is for sure. But Are yeah. you going to be making bagels out here while we're on it? Before see, so. see, I knew that. That's when people hear that I was making bagels. There's always the so. Are you going to make bagels again? And the answer is maybe. All right, I'll take maybe. So I, you maybe. know, and also bagels used to be fifty cents a piece, and now we're getting up in the three dollar per bagel range and more. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, so I'm always looking for great bagels, and those that I can buy, uh, you know, a dozen for less than forty dollars these days, which is crazy. Tricky. But- yeah, for a while, and you can't get them now, but for a while, Bowery was providing slightly smaller bagels, mm-hmm. which I like, to uh, Zupans, and mm-hmm. you could get four of those for five bucks, and I'm thinking, well, that's a buck and a quarter. I'm good for that. Can't get them anymore any, any longer there, but I've been buying them locally. Are you familiar with the whale's tail out here by, no. by any chance? What oh, is man. that? Yeah, it's a woman by the name of April who's doing a pop-up bakery out here. You know, I know in Oregon you're not supposed to view her as competition, but she does. I mean, there's enough room for all of us. I know, and she's a little further north, and I'm trying to get her on the podcast because she does pop-up and delivery. And her bagels are are fantastic. That's awesome. But that's where I am right now with the bagels once in a while, and... She's very nice, and she does. A, she's a great baker. So you two maybe should, I don't know, have a conversation, <laughs> right? At least that, or, or coffee, something along those lines. All right, so yeah, l- let's get back to uh, you're making bagels. I'm and making bagels. You're doing bagels. a good job. And what's your, by the way, what's your favorite favorite bagel? Pumpernickel. If you were to, 
pumpernickel. Yep. Interesting. That's not a New Yorky thing. No, uh, that's well, more and, probably a Chicagoy thing. Well, and what's funny about it is if you go into the history of the bagel, the pumpernickel bagel was the one bagel that wasn't covered by the bagel union because the bagel bakers union was a big thing in New York. Like that was actually what brought bagels to the American spotlight is when the bagel bakers union went on strike and actually made the New York times. And uh, they had to explain like, how do you say the word bagel in the story? And this was in the fifties and pumpernickel bagels were not part of the bagel bakers union. So regular bakers could take their pumpernickel bread dough, make it into bagels, and they didn't have to worry about getting in trouble with the union. So there, there is an East Coast history there, but it's not with the traditional bagel makers. It's those you, bakers being sketchy again. <laughs> do you do it? The, do you make it the same way? Boil it and bake oh, it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. It's not All a right. bagel if it's not boiled. I don't think it's a bagel if it's pumpernickel. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family history thing. It's a nostalgia thing. It's good with I cream cheese, it. I bet. It's, it's really great good with, cream, with cheese. cream cheese and some of your fabulous lox smoked salmon thing. I, I just right. love that that play with that little bit of bitter. If I'm going for a, a normal bagel, then it's got to be plain bagel, untoasted. Don't give me any of that raisin blueberry nonsense no 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 no. it's a bagel it's not a donut so you know i'm i'm classic on that give me straight up bagel and cream cheese locks capers a little bit of red onion when we're talking locks i'm yeah i'm glad to have this conversation because in 10 years on the podcast i've certainly whined about this enough Privately, but not on the podcast. <laughs> the salmon out here. I was expecting, you know, smoked salmon. Everywhere. Uh, you know, when I got here, oh, it's going to be great. Oh, man. It's not the same as East Coast lox and Atlantic salmon, with which has some fat and isn't dry. Um, it's, a different, it's a different animal. It's a different animal. It totally right, so. is. A different, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I'm with yeah. you on that one. Is that and, all you're with me on so far? Is that <laughs> it? One thing? No, no, we've had conversations about other things. You know, we, right. we're, we're down on the pizza train together. and <laughs> that's, that's right. So, well, um, well, that's great. I'm waiting to see you make some bagels, and maybe I'll even try one of your pumpernickel bagels, because <laughs> if you love them, they've got to be great. So. I'd like to think they're good. Yeah. All right. I mean, the rabbis like them. If you get rabbi approval, that's a big thing. So, so you ended up then. I don't know how many steps to get from there to Provador. Um, After Bowery, I was trying to consider like what my next thing would be, and I thought about going the micro bakery nonprofit. You know, just do bake sales for you know, whatever cause suited me at the moment, but it's really hard to make a living doing that. Yeah. So I ended up back doing catering for a little while, but the problem is with catering, January happens and Mm -hmm. January is a very desolate time and you still need to do things like pay your mortgage. So, well, not only that, but in, 
Portland, at least in the last few years, January and February happen, and cancellations happen too, mm-hmm. and that could kill you in catering oh, too. Oh, so. absolutely, absolutely. So uh, an employee of mine from Bowery was working at Provador as their pastry chef, and she said, I need an assistant. And I said, okay, sure, I got a mortgage to pay, and that's mm-hmm. how I ended up having a conversation with Derek about quasi-legal uh, beach huts. <laughs> and then fast forward six years with Provador, Derek had the opportunity to buy the space in Bay City and said, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And I'm like, hey, I'd do that with you. And he said, you would? And I said, yeah, absolutely. He's like, you would throw your entire life up in the air and move out to the coast to do this with me? And I'm like, sure, why not? And so (laughs) had you had had much coastal experience at that point in time? Because for me, that was what drove me all the way across the country was Bandon, then the North Coast. I wanted to get close to the coast. Nice. Was that a driving factor for you? I mean, when you were a Provador, did you have these little bubbles in your head of coast or no? When Derek Mm -hmm. mentioned it, you thought, nah, I guess I could do that. That would be interesting. I've been to the coast and of course the coast of of Oregon is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I always have wanted to live closer to the water and I hadn't been thinking along those lines, but I mean, you've been to the location. We're literally across the street from the bay. Yeah, you got a great view. Uh, We've got a great view and I mean, you can't get closer to the ocean without being in it, basically. And I said, you know what? This is this is one of those things. There's magic in the world. And so it's not the first time in my life where I've had that moment where it's like, okay, we're going to make this decision right now, right here and see how it goes. And it's it's generally worked out okay for me. So, you know, take the leap once again. And here well, I good. am. And we talked about doing this podcast when you opened it. And I'm kind of glad you at least have a couple of months under your belt. Sure. With a little experience and some, uh, some you know, impressions. Yeah, some insight. <laughs> Perfect. I have some insight. My dog was just having some insight and he ran <laughs> up the driveway. I never leave him out while I start the podcast. <laughs> and I did. And so Kodak is maybe missing in action. So oh, no. I want to take this opportunity to uh, pause for a moment. You know, Kodak loves Ringside Steakhouse. He, we, he often gets a doggy bag from nice. the animal steak. So let's take a moment to pause for a word from Ringside, and then we'll come back and we will transition to your coastal life. Uh, and then we'll wend our way back to like Wonder Bread and, <laughs> and, and some of those things that uh, you mentioned we might want to talk about. So sure. Give us a uh, give us a minute with Ringside, and we'll be right back with Kathy High of Bay City Kitchen. Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, an institution, as it were. Ringside Steakhouse. 79, over 79 years. I remember we were just saying 75 years, so time's flying, and uh, and we're coming up on an 80-year institution in Portland, uh, Ringside Steakhouse, where now, something they didn't have for most of those 80 years was, an, was outdoor dining, and their patio is awesome. 
and um, it's really nice spot to eat. They have they have some heaters out there if you need them. It's really pretty. So whether you're eating, you know, when you eat at ringside, you can either eat in the beautiful dining room, the bar now. You can make reservations to eat in the bar or outside. Lots of choices there in addition to lots of choices for different cuts of steak. Right, Court? Yeah, I was just telling you this off air, Chris. I went just recently with my wife, Randy. Uh, You had been telling me you got to get the Wagyu. You got to get the Wagyu. I I finally did um, because there's so many great items to choose from and I just hadn't got to it yet. I went with the olive fed Wagyu and easily the best steak I have ever had in my life. I, I was dumbfounded by it. It's a treat. It's not something you're going to get every time you go in there because it's a little expensive. Sure. But I've seen it for way more elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's something if you have, you know, a couple of times you get to say, just like you did, that it's the best steak you've ever had. And they yeah. have it. They have different options, too. So olive, olive fed is just one of them. The food, the food is delicious. And the service is absolutely bar none. The best in town. We had Colin serving us and just the best service the entire night. Best food. If it's a special occasion, if it's not a special occasion, Ringside Steakhouse is the place to go. Yeah, it will be just go in there. It will turn into a special occasion. There it is. So, uh, and they also have food to go now, and they even on their website they've got a, a scrolling banner. Ringside steaks are on sale, so that's a good opportunity as well. So they are on West Burnside. They're open. Let's give the hours here: four thirty to nine Monday through Thursday, four to nine thirty Friday and Saturday, and four to nine on Sunday. And, of course, set up those reservations. You can do that through the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com, or on the Open Table app. We're back with uh, Kathy High of Bay City Kitchen. If you don't know where Bay City, Oregon is, it's just north of Tillamook, below Garibaldi, between the two cities. And uh, there's a big shack that says kitchen right out front, actually <laughs> across the street from what is it, Pacific Seafoods? Yes, yes. So across the street from that thing on that goes out, and you can eat on the the, the locals. The locals describe the location. Oh, is it near the flashing stop line? A uh, stoplight across from the big pile of oyster shells. It's like, yeah, that's exactly where we that's are. <laughs> you know, and I, and I discovered that location before. Who was the the prior owner? Amanda. The, Amanda. She was very nice. And yeah, I went there for breakfast a couple of times, but. Um, I was glad to hear you were moving in there. I have to say, lately, in the last few months, a few chef friends of mine have maybe not dialed me up, but texted me up and asked about, what do I think about locations and moving to the coast? Uh, So you'll be able to advise them better than I Oh, yeah, absolutely. But give yourself a year. When you've gone through all the seasons, so you, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you're prepared. You're you're you know it's not going to be what it was in the summer. We we well, it was really funny because <laughs> I, I, we've been having a lot of Game of Thrones moments with the locals who are like, "Winter is coming." 
mm-hmm. winter is coming. And I'm like, yeah. And this week we finally actually had our first, you guys are not going to have to worry about winter. You're going to make it through the winter. And it's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> You're the first one to say that. I was going to say, one person said that? <laughs> one person so- has said, you'll be okay. Whereas everyone else is still going, winter is coming. well you know you got that's there's a nice community there and there aren't a lot of options no and and you know we are one of three (laughs) right Uh, well and not only that but people like i'm i'm 20 minutes away and i don't mind a nice little drive down the beautiful coast to come down there i probably have more intentions to do that than I do actual action. There have been plenty of times I've seen your your Sunday supper and I thought, well, that'd be good. And then it's just, uh, I can eat on my deck and not go anywhere. But um, Hey, you can get Sunday supper to go. Just say Well, I know, but I still need to drive 40 <laughs> miles round trip. So um, anyway, I'll, I've, you know, I've been down there and, you know, I go to Tillamook enough, but um you do, you make some great, you're making, you and Derek are doing some great things there too. So, um, and, and we're uh, having fun. That's the yeah. best part is we're having fun. We are, tell. we're educating the local populace. We have a couple of people who come in regularly and then they're just like, I can't pronounce half the stuff in this case, but I know with you guys making it, it's going to taste good. And we're like, yes, that is winning. <laughs> and we're, so what? So those people are tuned into your Sunday suppers, right? Mm-hmm. So is that is it all local? I, I can't imagine you have a big tourist contingent for your Sunday suppers. I'm sure some people stop in and then they see that and come back, but uh, I would imagine it's mostly local. It's it's mostly local so far, although we have had a few people stumble in and just be like, "What is this?" And you can you can totally tell who's a tourist because they're like, "Oh, it's a prefix," and we would never say prefix <laughs> out here because people would just be like, "What?" Uh, and <laughs> is that pris? Is that prisfixy? So <laughs> prixy what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, it's a prefix. Yeah, it's yeah, it's totally three courses under thirty dollars. Come on in, decide what you want to drink. We'll feed you and and, right. uh, and you're getting your in- indoors finished for the winter. Yeah, so it's going to be nice and warm. In we got so space good. heaters this week. Woo-hoo. All right. Well, <laughs> well, good for you. And so, um, I guess it's early to tell, but in a nutshell, how is Coast life. I feel like, you know, I moved out here 10 years ago mm-hmm. and I just not looking back. And that was pre pandemic. I still, there were lots of things to, a lot more things to love about Portland than there are right now. So, well, and it's funny because I remember when you moved out here, I, I've been a lurker. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't know each other. We'd actually never met <laughs> until you were in that kitchen. Yeah. And that's kind of how I roll. I'm, I'm, I'm a baker. I'm that kind of, uh, extroverted introvert where I'm used mm-hmm. to spending half of my life in darkness with no people around. So <laughs> it, it, I, I know a bunch of people in the industry. And they have no idea who I am. <laughs> it's kind of great that way because then there's not any sort of expectation. You know, they're like, oh, Kathy's coming in. We got to, you know. 
Well, you were never Kathy to me. You were a Duxagraph-McWinnington. <laughs> and I was like, who the fuck is this? And we, we followed each other. You know, I didn't even know. I knew nothing about you, but there was just like, who's got this name? And what does what do they do? Oh, I'm going to go right to they. I didn't know. I didn't know what, what you did. And mm-hmm. I knew you were in the industry. That's about it. Um, that's so all anyway. you need to know. It's like, oh, she's a baker. That's right. all you need to know. I didn't know you were a baker. I just, you know, I guess I didn't know. But anyway, I'm glad you were following me. But what I was about to say is I just haven't looked back. I get to, I still enjoy Portland and I mm-hmm. like to go in once in a while. But I knew when I got out here, I was going to be mentally and physically healthier. Yes. I just knew it. And Absolutely. I've lost, I've lost, I think, over 50 pounds. Good job. In that period of time. It wasn't a fast thing. And I know I'm mentally healthier because I went through um, some pretty deep depression in 08 and 09 when you moved Mm -hmm. to Portland. And I just feel like it's just easier to battle it organically uh, with a walk. Absolutely. Than it is uh, any other way. So I don't know if I wasn't here whether I would have gone through depression, but no, I've been able to stave off any most unhappiness since I've been happy. And I always feel like if you have my dog on the beach, it makes me happy. So that's it. So do you have, have you experienced the same euphoria? Oh, absolutely. Living out here. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'm still in the honeymoon phase. For sure, like I still I, am too. <laughs> Ten years. <laughs> I I do that thing, and I make the the regulars laugh a lot because uh, we have that amazing view over the water at sunset, mm-hmm. and we're at the time of year where sunset happens while we're still open. So I will just drop everything that I'm doing and I'll run out to the customers and be like, I don't know if you guys care or not, but the sunset is really pretty right now. So if you wanted to come and take a look, come and take a look mm-hmm. and then I'll just, I'll sunset watch director. Sun- that's on your, t- on your business oh, card. My gosh. Director of sunsets. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And we've had so much like wonderful local like just these moments you know the guy who peeks his head in the door at clothes and he's got moss on his hat and he's kind of dirty and he goes hey you want to buy some chanterelles and it's just like what is even happening right now (laughs) yes let me see your chanterelles you know i might not be able to use them in the kitchen because we are a legal business, but yes, let me see your chanterelles for me. You know, <laughs> so it's it's just those weird, magical. Where am I even right now? Moments that are still just so prevalent. Like I, I stop every once in a while. I'm like, this is my life now. How did how did that even happen? I know, I know, I put in the work, <laughs> but. Uh, it's still just so wonderful out here, you know, being able to go and see fish come in on the docks in the port of Garibaldi and, and go see the blade and say, what did you catch today? And he's like, Oh, you know, I got some lingcod in the back that I'll kill for you right now. It's like, okay, you don't get fresher than that. You don't, 
and to meet so many of the farmers here, like the folks from Josie Farms or Chantal from Salmonberry Farm and just be like, hey, what are you growing right now? Can, can we make it into good stuff? Yes, bring it on, bring it on. We're ready for you. Oh, you got 50 pounds of cauliflower? Sure, yeah, we'll take that. We'll make cauliflower soup with it or something. We'll, do, we'll figure it out. And, you know, it's a small community here, so everybody supports everyone, the farmers, and um, they have to, right? Mm-hmm. So in order to survive and uh, well, and that's cool one of the what that was one of the really surprising things for me moving out here was realizing how much local agriculture there was that's getting shipped back to Portland instead of staying locally because the expectation out here is oh people don't want to eat that here when really people do want to eat that here. They just don't necessarily want to cook that here. And so getting the places like us that want to cook it here for the local population is, is just, yeah, no, let's, let's fill that hole. Let's, let's bridge that gap. Let's be those people. And uh, that's part of what's made this magical is, I, you know, I love a mystery basket challenge. <laughs> Show up. Okay. I got some buckwheat greens and some bachelor button flowers and garlic chives. Go to town. And I'm like, uh, okay. Um, I have no idea, but give me a day. I'll figure out something. <laughs> Well, you know, that's what we've been watching on television. Maybe this is a good segue with, you know, the mystery baskets on television. And we've mm-hmm. been watching crazy, mm-hmm. crazy cooking shows. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but you, you had mentioned to me that uh, you have a disdain for celebrity baking books. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk a little bit about that. <sighs> I hate that. I hate that. It, and it comes down to recipe testing. Because there is a reputation around baking. Baking is hard. Baking is not hard. Baking is not hard. People have been doing it for time immemorial. It's not hard. We have an image that baking is hard because there is a consortium of people that have made it harder than it is. And part of that is celebrity cookbooks. Because they take a recipe, their industrial recipe, for 20 cakes They divide by 20 and they slap it in a cookbook and say, here, let's put this beautiful celebrity airbrushed face on it and say, look, you can have it. And they don't work. And then people take that personally. They're like, I'm trying to make this cake and it's not working. What's wrong? What's wrong? And I, I have amongst my family and friends, I am, I am the bakery helpline. (laughs) their own personal like what am I doing wrong it's Thanksgiving and my biscuits aren't coming out well show me what recipe you're using oh yeah you're using that recipe from that website it's never gonna work it's not you it's them I and I mean it (laughs) you know and even sometimes 
professional bakers fall into the same thing where we get caught up in fandom and we want to be like, this person is so exciting. And look, they have like 73 James Beard awards because they have a really good PR firm and I want to try their recipe and it didn't work. It's like, well, did you look at the recipe? Look at the ratios. You've been doing this as long as I have, you know, it's not going to work. And it just makes it harder for everybody. It's like, test your recipes before you publish the book. But nobody wants to do that because nobody wants to take the time if they're going for a brand. If they're someone who is dedicated to the craft, they test recipes. But then it takes an extra year for that cookbook to come out. And... You know, so then it might fall under the radar a little bit. But those are the ones, those are the cookbooks you want. Those are the cookbooks you want to support. And how do you know that it's that the recipes have been tested to that degree? Well, you don't. Um, you know, sometimes you'll have some authors that will say, you know, much thanks to my recipe testers. Or you know, that's where the, st- I, I love a good story. And so when I see blogs where they talk about, you know, the, the four page introduction into the recipe before you get to the recipe. And I know that's a real sticking point for a lot of people. They're like, I just want the recipe. I don't want the backstory. I want the backstory. I want to read how that recipe came to be. I want to see what you tested. I want to see how you gave this to your maiden aunt who has a, 54 year old electric oven and every pan in her house is janky and she still managed to make a really good wedding cake spur of the moment for her next door neighbor. I want that story. Give me that story because then I know that there is something to that recipe. I don't just want a, we, you know, I was making this in my bakery and here we are, we've made it so that you can make it at home. Oh, really? Did you test it? Cause my oven is not my oven at work. My oven at home is an entirely different beast. And that's a bigger issue with baking than it is any other type of cooking. Absolutely. Right? So, but I don't want people to take it personally. You know, pie crust is easy. That's, you know, three parts, two parts, one part. Pie crust is easy. It's just a matter of knowledge and practice and putting your hands into it and having a little faith. But then people will get into the, okay, no, you're going to pull out six pieces of equipment and a food processor and some vodka and, you know, and yeah, sometimes that'll work and sometimes it won't. And for the people it works for, great, do what works. If it doesn't work for you, don't blame yourself, man. Blame the person who wrote the recipe in the first place. It maybe is just not what your hands and what your equipment can do. Well, yeah, but that's giving them carte blanche to blame somebody else other than themselves. I don't necessarily think that's a healthy thing either. (laughs) People have to take some accountability for their skills, correct? Uh, If you're learning, it's the teacher. If you're learning, it's the teacher first and then the student. Because at some point we are all students and we all have to learn. And 
you know, the, if you get into the history of boxed cakes, the reason why boxed cakes became a thing is because the boxed cakes were sent to home economics classes. And they said, why would you want your students to learn how to bake a cake from scratch where they might fail? Use a boxed cake and it will always come out and your students can have nothing but positivity. It's like, no, you got to fail to learn. You got to, you got to have a good teacher in there to teach you. You got to fail to learn. You got to take that and take your experiences and then go from there and find out what works best for you. I'm not saying don't take responsibility because if I burn something at this stage of my career, I got nobody to blame but myself. That's that's a little different. Let me ask you, just curious, is there something you've been working on since you opened Bay City Kitchen that you're not quite happy with yet and you're going to get it there and we can't wait to have it? Uh, not yet because we're still in the learning our audience phase and I'm still doing the, what do I want this space to be? You know, we, we're planning on putting an addition onto the space. That's going to be a primary baking space for me. And I don't have that yet. So physically I don't have the room to do all this stuff. I have a sheeter. Croissants are coming. They're coming but I don't have a sheeter in that space because there is no room in that kitchen for a sheeter. Um, but is the brain percolating a little bit? Absolutely. Do I want to get more flavor flowers in there? Like I, I'm already challenging the local populace with buckwheat pie crust. Buckwheat. I, I've had pancakes. You, you put it in pie crust. Yes. Try it. Try it too. Um, and, uh, but there, there's going to be some some fun things in there for me, for sure. I just haven't gotten there yet. We, we've got to build the space first. <laughs> I think there there could be a, a Kathy's Chronicles of people's reactions to things like, you know, buckwheat pie crust. Because I will tell you, when I've walked in and I've said, what's good? And you've pointed to a couple of things. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I, and I feel like I've, you know, I have, I'm not that sophisticated, but there's certain things I know I like and I don't necessarily like. However, that brings us back to those whole wheat croissants, which I, if you had told me that, I would have said no way. Yeah. So, so, but I would imagine there's a little bit of learning going on there. So we never talked about your family connection, speaking of, (laughs) to Wonder Bread. Uh, uh, Yeah, yeah. So my great aunt Helen's family is the, the, family that invented Wonder Bread and then sold it, uh, the the formulation of how to make Wonder Bread. So I've, I've often joked that I ended up baking as uh, atonement for my familial sins against bread. Okay. Well, <laughs> do they still have Wonder Bread? I can't think of if I've seen it in the oh, store. Oh, yeah. Wonder Bread is going to exist, I think, until the end of time, even if they don't make <laughs> the any loaf other will. loaves. A loaf will exist. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're going to get to the end of the universe. There's going to be a package of Twinkies, a package of Wonder Bread, and mint plants growing Cheetos. everywhere. And Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos. Yeah. No, I mean, I I haven't been as adventurous yet in the kitchen as I could, but things I can tell you are coming. I make a spectacular cake with Fritos in it. 
So there will be a chocolate caramel Fritos cake at some point in Bay City Kitchen. Hmm. Oh yeah. You're Just trust. To, yeah, Just you're gonna trust. need samples there before I before I pop eight dollars or twelve dollars on that. It won't be twelve dollars. I don't know. Nothing in my case is twelve dollars, <clears throat> but listen, we're at a period right now <laughs> where things are always a little more than you remember them. Um but, but that it's okay. Mean, I mean that's yeah, what it is. Exactly. I mean I, I love that we're challenging ourselves to actually pay for what food should cost. I mean, I I have spent some time in downstate Illinois in corn country and uh, spent some time looking at, you know, what are people's expectations for how much food should be. And I challenge any person in who is dedicated to the food industry, who is a dedicated chef, um, go to small towns in the Midwest. Don't just stay in cities. Go to small town America. See what people are eating there. See what people can pay for there. See what people are, how they're feeding themselves there. Because we ha- we don't teach nutrition we don't teach people how to be healthy and wholesome in their food. And we also don't teach people what food should cost. We have subsidies out there which make the cost of food not what it should be. So, yeah, there's a bit of a reckoning going on right now where people are going, you know, if we want to pay the farm workers a living wage, if we want to make sure the farmers stick around and, you know, getting all the spells and whistles lined up, food should cost more. Food should cost more. Well, we heard that since before the pandemic. And yep. since, you know, now with labor, everything's hitting at one time, yep. labor and... um and just the cost of food, especially right after the pandemic, that was a bit of a culture shock. However, I just came from Italy and had incredible pizzas for eight euros. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, so it's a, I guess it's a whole different framework over there. Exactly. But it is was, a different framework because there's a lot more local connection. There's a lot less doing the things and the stuff and, you know, let's get these trucking companies involved in giant production lines where things are being shipped over from everywhere. Yeah. I can go around the corner and get beautiful produce for whatever it costs in season and then can make things that are not expensive by Cutting out that middleman by cutting out the big systems. I mean, why wouldn't I do that? That's how we can afford each other is let's look seasonally. Let's look locally. Let's be a little more adventurous, dare I say, in -hmm. our eating habits and include vegetables (laughs) and fruit and... (laughs) And not it, fried foods. It dawns well. It dawned on me. It dawns on me at different times in different ways. But especially having gone to uh, being in the Netherlands, nobody's mm-hmm. heavy there. 
nobody is right? over, is overweight. Right. And, um, uh, even in Italy, you didn't see the only heavy people you saw walking around were American tourists. Well, and, and even just going from the urban environments to right. something more like here, you know, you you don't realize how much your your vision of what a healthy person looks like is coded by your surroundings. You know, Portland, a lot more healthy looking people in Portland because a lot more culture of eating vegetables, having access to that kind of thing than even out here. And then you go out to eat and it's the entire menu comes out of the same fryer. It's like, of course people are not as well as they could be. If every single time someone's going out to eat, your options are something fried or a hamburger with a side of fries. How healthy can you be? Yeah, well, I ask myself that question. And I, and I was one of those larger tourists walking down the street too. So, oh, uh, I, well I mean, I feel that. I I feel that, and I look at myself sometimes, and I'm like, but I'm still healthier than a lot of people out here, and it's you know, it's cutting back. You know, I get so many people right now who are coming in, and they try a slice of pie or something like that, and they're like oh, this isn't too sweet. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't need to be. It's got really good fruit. I just got the peaches from the Manzanita Farmer's Market two days ago. Why would I need to add a lot of sugar to those peaches? No, just make the pie. Um, And then, you know, you also have the folks, oh, God, we we debated on whether or not we were going to keep the espresso machine in the kitchen because it came with the space. and. Derek and I are not coffee people. And we said, mm, and we were, we were talked out of getting rid of it. And, and we're glad we did, but I get so many, I'd like a mocha with raspberry and caramel and whipped cream on top. And I'd say to them, we don't have any flavored syrups. You and don't? what's the reaction? You don't No, I don't. Well, why not? It's like, because flavored syrups are gross. <laughs> right. I, I mean, you, you know, it's gross. You're just putting sugar on top of caffeine and you don't need that. It's not, if you want sugar, put your own sugar in it. I get, I grew up on the Dunkin' Donuts regular. I understand the appeal. You want melted coffee ice cream. I know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's fine. But don't expect me to stock all these things when at the end of the day i'm trying to feed you good food man i i don't want Do you need to have this lecture every time someone tries to order a uh you know triple vanilla latte uh, um, some people are, are demand a longer explanation than others <laughs> i try to be thoughtful and gentle about it it's just my way because you know no judgment except for judging. (laughs) Have you you tried this one yet? Which is in my mind, you know, it's very, it's very uh, Kirby enthusiasm, Larry Davidy, but just say, because it's not fucking coffee. (laughs) Right. And so, yeah, do you ever, do you remember, do you watch that show at all? Oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So, you know, the one where he walks in Starbucks and he's looking up and he can't decide. And he goes, I'll have one of those uh, vanilla bullshit drinks. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite exactly. lines ever. Yeah. Uh, so, And that's, I mean, that's really what it is. It's, it's a bullshit drink. We don't, we don't uh-huh. need that. We don't need that in our world. And, you know, and I especially I get so confused by this one. I will have a Diet Coke. Well, we don't have Diet Coke because we don't have fountain drinks like we have a few things in bottles and you know the sugared coca-cola and that's it and uh in bottles and uh they're like oh you don't have fountain sodas okay well can i get a that you know mocha raspberry caramel it's like you want diet coke which is all artificial or just all artificial it's how about water? Try water. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, 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 I don't shamefully admit, I admit I'm a diet Pepsi guy. I just, I can't have the, a Pepsi, too much sugar in it. So I love the taste of it. But so often when I'm craving that, I think, how about a glass of ice water? And that does the trick. Not it's all the time. It's amazing the way that does. works. Right. But it needs, <laughs> I, I need cold. I need ice. I'm kind, you know, so I'm going to put myself in a generation here. I, I have never been a big soda person. And part of the reason was the only soda allowed in my house growing up was tab. And if there is any beverage that has existed in the history of humanity that will put you off drinking soda, it is tab because that shit is gnarly. <laughs> and especially when you're like six, you taste and you're like, mom, what are you drinking? It tastes like poison. And you know, it turns out it pretty much is. So <laughs> I have, you know, my best <laughs> I can't, I can't call her my girlfriend back in uh, high school, junior high school and high school, but we used to go out a lot and do, and go to the uh, white tower to uh, get drinks. And she drank tabs religiously. That was, that was the first diet soda, right? Back then. Yeah. So she drank tabs and I've seen pictures of her recently in this, in her sixties. She looks great. So I don't know if she's still drinking them or not, but they did, you know, there wasn't. Well, bully for her. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, she looks healthy too. I don't know. I mean, you know, for some people, I mean, there's always going to be people who it's like, you know, you get the people who are just like, okay, you're 105. What's your secret to a long life? Well, I've had three shots of whiskey and a cigar every day. And a cigar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was just, I was ahead of you on the cigar. So. <laughs> but everybody's different. And, yeah. you know, you need what you need to survive and enjoy life. So, um, but I, I can guarantee you she's not drinking tab anymore because I don't think it exists, right? I don't think so. I think they discontinued it, thankfully. For a reason. We, we have improved as a species because Tab no longer exists. Well, there's a lot to take its place, believe me. Oh, that, I know. It's probably know. just as questionable. I just, so. I remember the, the, uh, the, there was an old Bloom County strip where it was a, uh, conversation, well, which do you prefer, Coke or Pepsi? And one of the characters, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, says, I think we're missing the greater answer here, which is 
they both taste like malted battery acid. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, you understand that's, that's me. That's an opinion. That's an opinion. <laughs> I tend to love it. And, you know, you know, you talk about Wonder Bread. I, I grew up in the 60s. My dad was the head marketing guy for PepsiCo International. Nice. So we had Pepsi <laughs> in our house, you know, in all every form. Did you and have we, the soda fridge? No, but I had the soda fridge. Uh, no, I don't think we had that, but I had the, I had the soda fountain radio, AM FM radio Whoa. that looked like a Pepsi soda fountain. I had a Frito Bandito mock up lunchbox that they oh, presented no. to my father. <laughs> oh my God, Frito Bandito. Uh, and I wish I still had that. That was, you know, as the marketing guy, they said we could sell this to kids. I don't know. You parents. can't talk that. That might get you canceled just by having had that in your lifetime. You know? No, I don't think so. I think it's pretty <laughs> awesome. And I, I beat myself up for God. There's so many things I wish I had from back then in the 60s and 70s. You know, I had, I could have had all that, all those mock up things and and mountain dew stuff that was part of oh the pepsi gosh. thing right well, yahoo mountain dew and all that stuff and then you know in later years i, I digress you could have retired on selling could, all that hey, stuff how about, how, about all the, how about my brother was part of van halen uh all the van halen backstage passes i had all the sign i could have gotten anything signed anything done i don't have that so no no <laughs> but i'm surviving <laughs> just on the memory. So, um, I mean, memories are important. And also, hey, you live on the Oregon coast. Your life is not tragic. <laughs> no, I, I tell myself that daily and it helps. As I, you know, I talked about depression before. It's kind of hard to, and, and then do what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of hard to complain when I, you know, see people doing really tough things oh, absolutely. for work, especially in our industry. It's why I started wow. Portland Food Adventures years ago, because in Connecticut, you'll understand this, I never got that close to chefs or restaurant owners. The kitchens were in the back and yeah. you just went and ate and there was no real connection to chefs. And then I got out here and I'm watching, you're getting to know chefs and seeing what they do and watching them cook, how they cook right there in the open Wow, mm-hmm. I don't have to time every single thing so it hits the table at the exact same time when it's warm. I can put that in the oven and let it sit for 20 minutes while I do something else. All that stuff was new to me. But on top of that was talking to them about where they went and how they hung out. And uh, why am I here? Where, where did we go with this? Um, <laughs> How did you were, we get here? We were talking about Connecticut. Oh, oh, and so how hard they work. I mean, I didn't see how hard chefs were. I didn't know about really prep. You know, it's you just, never you read a, Down and Out in Paris and London. Like you, no, you, oh, no, I'm really? not a big reader, so oh, I didn't. Oh, that's right. We had that conversation. Yeah, um, so, yeah. No, I, I have had many experiences with my fellow bakers where we talked about our various pastry dungeons, you know, pastry people tend to get put underground or in some side room or a room without windows. (laughs) And you're doing it at four in the, at three in the morning, three in the morning, (laughs) baker's hours. Like I said, we're, we're, we're a, a class of 
introverted extroverts. By the time you guys see us at seven in the morning, we're like, I haven't talked to anyone for five hours and I'm ready to say hello. You know? <laughs> and serve something good to get a positive reaction. So are you, are you in, are you? Doing that at three in the morning? Now, oh gosh, or have you no! Figured out a different schedule. No, this is this is my semi-retirement. I I go into work at like seven, sometimes eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And and when does when does everything have to be ready? Uh, we open hour? at eleven. We open at eleven. Oh, so you're not doing breakfast? That that's the no. Nope. That's right. Yeah, we 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 talked about that, and Derek is like, I do not want to make eggs for a living, and I'm like, I don't want to make eggs for a living either. So we had started out being open at nine, and we realized we were just a little too late for the coffee before work crowd, and got a lot of questions about eggs. But we were closing at four, and so we missed the get you on the the tail end when you're going home from work. So mm-hmm. we're like, this this isn't going to work for us. So we switched over to 11 to 7. And that's been great because we can do the, we have our menu all day. You want an egg and house-made bacon sandwich at 11 in the morning or 6.30 at night? We've got you covered either way. You want to have a cookie at 11 in the morning? We got you covered for that too. You know, it, it's like, yeah, we're, we're going to do our whole menu all day and catch people at the times they want to be caught and make it easy to eat good food. Even on you their do days do off. That. You know, when I think about it and I think of the sandwiches, I've had a few sandwiches at your place. There's nobody, there's nobody that I can think of on the coast that makes a sandwich like that. Now, you know, there's recess in Tillamook, yeah. I guess they do a good job, but they're yeah. not making, they're not making, a little the sandwiches that are a little elevated with you know you order it and it's just a little better than you even envisioned it by looking at the ingredients so um i'll put it on par i don't know if you'll be happy with this or rick would be happy with this but they're close to lardo sandwiches what you have what you're serving there right hey all respect to lardo they are doing solid work you know i i i love lardo when i was in portland that was definitely one of those places i went to um it's good stuff yeah no it's i can't you know i wouldn't say it's exactly the same but it's on par it's that same sort of experience where you're getting an elevated sandwich and i can't think of as i said you know i'm not eating all over the place out here but i've been out here long enough to have had experience and uh, it's enjoyable. And We've got hey, you're people. right off of fucking 101. You're right, right there. So how do you, right how, do you there. Not, how do you not stop? That beats me. Everyone should stop. <laughs> We've even got clam chowder on the menu now. We we uh, we went ahead and added the clam chowder to the menu. Because you but, had to. Because we had to, but we also wanted to make it our way. Like it's there's no roux in it. It's thickened with potato the way a chowder should be. It's not a super stand up your spoon in the chowder. Like yeah, I me thin neither. it out. I pour milk in mine just to it, thin it out a little bit. Yeah. I like I like a good Rhode Island chowder. And yes. A Man- and yes. A Manhattan clam The Rhode chowder. Island clam chowder. Yes. No cream, no tomato unless broth. you want to pour it. Yes, just straight clam broth. Oh. Oh, love the Rhode Island. That's do that my and do a good Manhattan. You know, it's interesting because I Never 
liked Manhattan. And then somewhere, I don't remember where it was, I started ordering it and I started liking it more than creamy clam chowder. And you can't, I can't, I haven't had it in a long time. Nobody's making it. So make it, please. I'll have to have that discussion with my business partners. Yeah, so. and you know what? It's not going to sell. It's like <laughs> it's the same thing as uh, years ago. I met um, the folks at Pizzicato mm-hmm. and started talking about uh, white clam pizza, and he's like, "It just doesn't sell." And I used to say, "You're just not giving it. Someone's got to make it a thing and promote it and get it traction on Eater." Yeah. And it'll become a thing. But when you serve it once a month or once a week and you fucking put it at the shells on the pie, <laughs> it's, it's not going to work. It's no one's going to think that's great. The shells, the shells are definitely a dividing issue it, for sure. Like Derek and I have had that conversation a couple of yeah. times where he's like, why the would you put shells on the, you can't eat the shell. Why would you put something on a, and the flavor bakes into the pizza. If you don't put it in the shells and the pizza's hot when you eat it, instead of they place it in front of you and you got to individually take each shell, pull the clam out, turn it over. And by the time you do that, your pizza's, the pizza's not hot cold. Anymore. Yeah, the pizza's pizza. cold. So anyway, Sorry. I'm not an expert, but I think they know how to do it in New Haven, and they would laugh yeah. uh, at the. Sh- and I had uh, I had a couple of them in Naples. They don't put them in shells. People told me you'll get them in shells in Naples. No, I didn't. No, they were, the clams were right there. So I mean, there's there's definitely like Americans have strange food ideas. On so many levels, like I I have tried so many times. I love doing grape tarts. I do. I love it. I think if you have a good quality grape and you make a beautiful little galette or crostata and you put just gorgeous fresh grapes on that, maybe with a little bit of apricot jam to hold it together, you know, something Mm. super simple. It's delightful thing. People look at that and they're like, grapes on tarts? No, no, not going to do that. My first experience with um, things that are great that don't sell was right out of pastry school. I had a great grapefruit and pistachio tart. That I still to this day oh, I love. Think that sounds good. Oh, it's fantastic. And people here in the United States look at that and they're like, no, hard no. Mm-mm. It would sell all day in Sicily. Yeah. Yeah. But here in the United States, people are like, grapefruit, pistachio? No, that sounds weird. It's no, it pink and green almost, together. <laughs> no, sounds that sounds perfect. So have you gotten, have you been here long enough to have a few favorite places on the coast that you would suggest to people other than Bay City Kitchen? They have to go there first. <laughs> and, and when you, if you say anything here, it's going to automatically uh, dissolve in people's brains and they have to come into your kitchen <laughs> to get that, get this list. But give me a couple of places that may have impressed you. That um, you would send friends. I would send friends if they were coming out here and they said, uh, I, I, I want a piece of pizza. Where would you go for pizza? I'd send them over to Crab Rock. Yeah. Um, that is, I've had a few other pizzas around here. 
Yep. I'd send them to Crab Rock. <laughs> right. I would, t- I would too. And you know what else about Crab Rock? I don't know about now, but you can order a pizza there and sit out on the picnic tables overlooking mm-hmm. the, the harbor there. Yep. And, uh, and all the boats. It's fantastic. However, oh, yeah. I learned you're not supposed to bring your own, you're not supposed to bring wine across the street. So you got to bring your own wine and yeah. drink it there or beer, whatever you're drinking. You can't order it at Crab Rock and walk it across the street. No, no. So there's that. And then I will, I'm going to throw in Marzano's. Have you been to Marzano's? In I haven't been to Marzano's. The one time I was up near Marzano's, it was like 10 minutes before they closed and they were like, yeah, we don't really. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to rush this. I, I These All are, right. these are my first impressions of places. So I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm like, mm, Mm-mm-mm. No, I'm with you, but that's a good one to try. Any place else? Um, I see the the thing is we're a new business, so <laughs> I and we're open until seven. Well, All we're right. busy, but not just that. I would th- talk about resetting your brain to coast time. Um, seven o'clock. The sidewalks roll up, man. There is not a whole lot of options after yeah. seven. So it's then yeah. it becomes a what's open on my days off. My days off are Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, the sidewalks are still rolled that's up. When most, that's when most, most businesses are closed out here, too. They, and, they stay open and the Monday. Reason, the reason why they're closed is deliveries. A lot of these, a lot of the, going back to that, your shipping lines and stuff like that, a lot of the places that deliver out to the coast, because we, you know, at the end of the day, we do need to get some stuff in. We need to get our meat from somewhere and things like that. And they're like, okay, we deliver on Monday and Thursday. Okay. Well, that means we should be closed Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, otherwise, you could take delivery someone... on Monday if you want to stay open, but it's not a practical business decision because there aren't that many people around. Yeah, exactly. And we like we are open on Monday um, because we like being one of the few places open on Monday. But yeah, you know, it, you a lot of the decisions for places on what they're going to be open and closed for is driven by yeah. when does the Cisco truck come through. We're not using Cisco, so we have a little more flexibility where that's concerned, but it's still like if you don't want to have somebody sitting there on a day closed receiving deliveries, and that's not a day off, then a lot of it is dictated by when can we get our napkins in? When can we take in beer and wine deliveries and stuff like that? So there's not a whole lot open. Um so a lot of these places that you're talking about, have you been to yet? It's like, well, you know, what's open on Tuesday? Um, and, you know, since the pandemic, I can't ever tell when anything is open any longer. It's oh, right. like a whole, and it's the same thing in Portland. It's kind of a crapshoot who's open when. So, um, I mean, we got the locals were just like, you mean you're going to keep your hours that you say you're going to be open and be open? Like I have been trying to get fish and chips from the sea baron for months now. And every time I go by there, I mean, yeah, it's a food truck. So they're dealing with a whole other set of issues, but I have not been able to get it yet. I really, really want to, but I have He's got a new location and I've driven by and thought, Oh, I'd like to, 
go there again and it's never it's never happening when i'm friday at one o'clock i had to come up to the house to do the car switch and i'm like it's friday at one o'clock i'll go over and see if i can get fish no no No. can't get fish and chip Hmm? well you can get it at riverside they're usually they're they do pretty good with hours too in the halem uh and i've had some go ahead you, you go ahead. Um, I got over to Luz in Tillamook, uh, L-U-Z, which is Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Had I they make their tortillas in house, and I had some solid tacos from them. Thank um, you. I didn't yeah. know that. So, yeah. Um, Get over there. They're they're open seven days a week, and uh, they had lengua on the menu, and so I had to lengua in a fresh corn tortilla i was like yeah i have to get and it doesn't look like a restaurant i mean it's in a former gas station so the decor is kind of like where am i even going right now that's americana mexicana yeah exactly to be so are there dare i ask are there any places in portland now that you're not living there that you miss terribly I, I well, you know, uh, one thing I do miss, of course, is the accessibility. You know, I, I right. was I was in Montevilla, so I had the Jade District. I could get Somali food. I could get solid pizza and all sorts of other fun stuff. But man, oh man, DoorDash used to be a really big thing in my life, and now it's really not. <laughs> because <laughs> it doesn't exist out here. Um, so there's definitely a variety of foods that I miss. Uh, oh, yeah, but you'll find you'll, you may, it may have a bearing on your waistline over time. Same it, thing with me. Really, I just can't go get what I want to get. So. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm going to miss pretty much the entire spectrum of Asian food. Like, is there a place here where I can get pho? I don't think so mm. yeah well they have it but it's not that, it's not that great. <laughs> so I, i've had it um but no asian across the board out here is uh, yeah. from sushi i mean the whole thing it's oh my gosh i i have had a couple different places chinese food now and mm, yeah. yeah hard no yeah, hard no, no. pretty much everywhere and that's <laughs> You know, when I was just in Milan and at the beginning of my Italy trip, and I knew I was in for a ton of Italian food over the next few weeks, I I found a place with incredible Japanese food and sushi, and I just kept going there. So, because uh, I don't have it out here, it's like yeah. I got to get my fill of it right you gotta now. You got to get it while so, you can. Yeah, if anybody's in Milan, Eo I Y O. And I and I actually said to them, "Can I buy your chopsticks from you? Because I have been eating <laughs> off of shitty wooden chopsticks for years. <laughs> and now I have a really nice pair that the that the security in Amsterdam almost took it away from me. No! He said, "Oh, this is almost too sharp." And are you kidding me? There's no sharpness to this. <laughs> yeah, I can poke your eyes out with anything, but. Um, One of the fun things about international travel is dealing with security. When uh, we (laughs) went to Paris a few years back and um, I, I was visiting among other things uh, and had brought, (laughs) do you know, Pascal Staten? Um, Yes. Satan. Yeah. He, uh, he was an early bagel adopter. And when he heard, uh, that we were going to be 
coming out to Paris, he's like, is there any way you could bring bagels with you? Mm -hmm. So I had brought a bag of bagels in my luggage and then mailed them to him so he could get them within 24 hours of them being baked, Um, which led to a really hilarious moment in the post office where the guy is like, what are you mailing? And I'm like, bagels and what's a bagel? And I explained it. He's like, you brought bread to France? And I'm like, it's a bagel. It's something different. But it meant I had a big empty space in my luggage. So I brought home a full miche from Polan. And I had it in my luggage. And I was like, I hope this gets through security. I hope this gets through security. And when I got home and opened my luggage in the United States, the TSA like security checkpoint note that you get that says we opened your luggage and look at this was just draped across the loaf of bread. Mm. And I was like, oh, thank you for letting me have my bread. (laughs) That's good that they let you keep it. We've had a lot of folks who bring things home from Spain and don't end up with them. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lovely security brings to mind last thing years ago, when I went to school in the University of Arizona in Tucson, this is right when they introduced uh, security. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the x-ray machines. Yep. And my girlfriend at the time, later my wife, we really wanted that you couldn't get Thomas's English muffins. In- <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so now you can get them out here. But we, we put two dozen... Uh, you know, six sleeve contain things in a plastic bags to go through security, mm-hmm. just the plastic bags you get in the grocery store. And the x ray machine ripped the plastic bags open. So <gasps> these no! Thomas's English muffins I'm individually are all going down the thing. It was hilarious. So it was, oh it was my, my gosh, first, awesome. it was my first shitty experience going through security. Many. <laughs> so. But I'll never forget the English muffins going down the, the conveyor belt and going, we're not going to get all of them. Right, we, we salvaged a few. You, you know, sometimes you when you leave a place, you just have to say, this will have to be here when I come back. Right. But and, you get but, really sad in the meantime. Here's the thing so, about Thomas English muffins. I love them, but I also happen to know that if I just leave them in the bread box for a month, they're still they're not moldy yet. Nope. So, nope. Nope. Yeah, they're okay. And so. yet, and yet, yeah, nothing and else yet, is exactly. nothing else is like a Thomas's. You know, their I fork know. split. The fork split makes them better. <laughs> Do you know that some people, most of the people I know, don't understand that you just take it and rip it open because it's fork split, or you, or you further you fork split it again. But most people I've met out here think you'd slice it, and it's like, yeah. oh my god, that's the, because you've been you're eating ruining, those fronts. You're ruining the nooks the and crannies. Exactly, you they don't gotta have know the about irregular no- crumb. They don't know about <laughs> nooks and crannies. They don't run Thomas's English muffin ads out here. All right, enough. This has been fun, and I listen. It's your day off. And I know I've kept you here too long because my butt is killing me on this hard chair. <laughs> that's my indication. Well, that's so. why I've got the extra cushion, and so I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I like to sit on the stool over in a certain spot. So anyway, Kathy, this has been really fun. We were trying to attempt this a couple of months ago, and I'm really glad we waited. And, you know, uh, sometime in Harlem in the Netherlands last week, I realized oh shit i gotta start the podcast up again do i have a guest 
And I thought, oh, Kathy, that's right. Kathy's booked. And I was really happy. So uh, I was right. I was right. So um, thank you for doing this. And I'll look forward to seeing you. What is, uh, do you know what you're having Sunday, this coming Sunday night? Porchetta. We're continuing okay. to expand the uh, the local vocab, so we're gonna we're gonna have porchetta this week, and people are gonna be like porchetta. What's yeah. a porchetta? Well, so. <laughs> it, it must be. It's got to be a comfort food for autumn because Zupans was running a uh, uh, one day special on it today or yesterday. I don't remember. Really? I saw the email. Cool. So porchetta is the thing right now. So. Um, you know, Zupan sponsors us. So if it's too, it's too late, you're not hearing this till Friday, but I'm sure it's good there. But if you really want to go on an adventure, go out to Bay City on Sunday and, and mm-hmm. try the porchetta at Bay City Kitchen and, uh, and 5 like, to 8 p.m. Right. And where do, where does every, it's pretty simple. I would imagine on Instagram, Bay City Kitchen. Yep. Instagram. So, uh, our website is baycitykitchen.com, where the menu is up to date with every day we're making changes. So you can always get the latest menu on there. And then because this community is what it is, we have a active Facebook profile, <laughs> which I had given up on Facebook years ago. But nope, everybody needs Facebook out here. So we are on Facebook as Bay City Kitchen as well. I got another suggestion for you, oh, and I'm going to I'm tell here. you now before I forget. Okay. So we have a thing called the North Coast BBQ up mm-hmm. here, which is okay. a, which. Look it up. It's a daily email Ooh. to people. So, uh, so uh, Cindy at uh, Buttercup, she puts out her monthly menu on there, and so you could on Saturdays or Sundays put it on the daily bbq on what you're they put it out at six o'clock so i would do it on saturdays or fridays mm-hmm. and you could just all you got to do is send them an email it's really simple with your sunday thing and that will reach a lot of local people i love it i love yeah. it yeah we're so, we're going to next year we missed it for this year but next year we're we should be in the uh north coast food trail and so people will be able to find out about us there who are coming in from outside of town. But once again, we're, we're here for the local love too. So yeah, no, you'll get by. it, but I'm telling you, do you, it sounds goofy, but it's really, it's the local classified. It's old school. They send out an I email every day with everybody's listings and a link to anything you want. And uh, I guarantee you, I'm going to earn a free sandwich when people come in and say, we heard this on the BBQ. So. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see we about that. Mm-hmm. They will. I, I guarantee. I know <laughs> it. I'm an advertising guy. I know that uh-huh. works. So. Uh huh. I'm just wondering about you getting the free sandwich. We are a new business, after all. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you sold if you sold thirty Sunday dinners, you'd go here, Chris. Take the here, take the have sandwich. a meatball grinder because you know what a grinder is. There we yes, go. I, I do. I know what a grinder. All the East Coast things I know. I'm trying to think of what else, but that's we've we've covered a few. Yeah, so, we definitely um, have. All right, thank you, Kathy. I appreciate it. So hi to Derek. I'll be in soon. And excellent. Uh, uh, I really enjoyed this. I think people are gonna uh, are gonna enjoy you and want to meet you. Well, you know, if you ever want to do this again, just let me know. <laughs> we will. Let's give you a little time, and then uh, we'll do it again. Maybe Derek. Maybe he wants to. 
Is he after is he winter? Out, yeah, is he an, is he an outgoing kind of guy? I don't think he's the face of the business the way you are. Uh, Plus, he's in the back. He's in the back. Um, he is a sassy motherfucker, so you know. <laughs> right. it, it, it would definitely be fun to have both of us on and and see our dynamic because we we uh, we have a good banter back and forth between. Each other. That'd be fun, and maybe if if you find that you're you need just a little jolt, the name Bay City Kitchen goes away, and two sassy motherfuckers goes up on the sign. Hey, they, you know that that could definitely be a challenge for some of the locals, but we'll see. I think, they might, I think you, I think you'll do okay with the sixty and below crowd. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> All right, Kathy, take care. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right